Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. New team, assemble! back and bigger than ever it's the unofficial 40 from soonerscoop.com now here's the entire sooner scoop crew carrie josh eddie and bob and we are back it is the full crew from sooner scoop here for the unofficial 40 podcast no controversial what i didn't think would be controversial but was a uh, guest host Joining us this week, Josh McQuistion is back with us. I don't even... I Did you not have power last week? I don't even know what... The, oh, you were just off last week, and, and we let you... We let you go, and thanks. It melted down the board. So yeah, uh, Jason Kersey screwing things up as usual, but, you know, whatever. Thanks, Kersey. He didn't yeah, do I mean, anything wrong. It was, I, it was astutely brought up on the board that, I mean, since... Kersey joined us. OU hasn't won a basketball game. So, I mean, it's clearly there's some kind of connection there. Well, but has Sherry Cole lost? I mean, maybe there's a give and take here. <laughs> I, I think the answer is no. It's no. It is no. Did they not get beat so, by Baylor in that time? Uh, no, they won at Texas. They beat Texas Tech. Well, why don't you just go cover the women then, Bob? If you know so well, much. That was weird. During <laughs> Bedlam, during Bedlam, they put uh, OU Texas on the big on the big screen during timeouts and stuff. So I, I knew about that one. Jesus, no wonder they lost on Saturday. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> look. I let's talk about it. OU is on a three-game losing streak. Two were in Bedlam, which does not make anyone happy. Uh, but Bob, this team. Not finishers down the stretch, essentially, is what exactly. I've, I've seen from this team the last three games. Yeah, and you sort of wonder, how how's this falling? Is Austin Reeves having to carry the ball the whole time and be a, a ball hog because that's what's best for the team? Or is it because no one else can step up into that role? And is there any dissension? You know, when you're 14-5, and five, you're 9-4 and four in conference, you don't really care if... It feels like, oh, maybe he's got the ball too much. You just keep winning. That's fine. But now that things are a little off uh, off track, you know, you, you sort of wonder, is there anything they can really do to change who they are in the next couple of weeks? Or do they just have to live and die with Reeves got the ball and it's up to him to try to make the best uh, choice? Well, I the one thing, the one positive you can take out of three losses, you saw life from Brady Manick, which... We all know it, it consistently it hasn't happened ever, probably for Brady Manick. And uh, if you're looking for it, I mean, it's just, Bob, it's been such a, a mis, mishmash of players coming in, going out. People rely on, I mean, Elijah Harkless at one point was kind of carrying the load for this team, and then he disappears. And then Manick pretty much gets completely replaced in, in favor of putting Kirk Queth in the game. Uh, and 
it's like Moji Gibson's hitting threes here and there, but it's not really, you know, down like we said, down the stretch. Nobody's yep. doing anything to step up and 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 really separate themselves. I think back like, you know, when when Reeves was out, remember the fadeaway that Harkless made in the lane that was just like, uh, whoa, what a shot, what a big time shot. Like nobody stepped up and hit a shot like that in the last week. And there's also like a freak occurrence he just happened to have the ball and he had to shoot and 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 now it's just you know Reeves has got it and it it seems like you know he's trying to penetrate and kick but a lot of times and we said it on Twitter and Carrie I know you've said on Twitter like he's forcing it you know he just kind of drives into people looking for contact that the refs aren't buying it now so even when he does get hit he doesn't go to the line as much because he's done it so much throughout the season where he's initiated everything and he hasn't really earned that that right but you know going back to manic you know it was a great first half but six you know 16 of the 20 was in the first half and second half he really wasn't the the same guy and you, you sort of wonder you know can can he keep can he keep it up it was, it was a nice one half rebirth you know of what manic can do and we'll we'll get to talk to brady here in a about an hour or so and that's the first time we've talked to Brady in about a month and I would have never told you that if he was playing we would go nearly a month without talking to Manic. Well and is I, it go ahead Eddie. Oh I was just gonna say I mean I I guess the other side of it too is is I mean glass half full look would be yeah it was awful. That's a terrible loss in Manhattan but it also took it's not like they just went in and got their ass whooped by OSU. It took a you know, maybe one of the all-time performances on Saturday on behalf of Cade Cunningham, and then obviously just didn't make enough plays on Monday night in Stillwater. Like, I, I know there's a lot of freakout amongst uh, the fan base right now, but I don't know. Am I just complete homer to think that there's still a lot out there and a lot could be kind of righted, I guess, if they win on Thursday? I mean, I, Thursday's a must-win. You can't you can start pushing the panic buttons if all of a sudden you look up and this team's playing on Wednesday in Kansas City. Uh, you know, things break right. You should be playing Oklahoma State again, and whether that's a good matchup or not, uh, you would still be finishing in the top half of the Big 12, something that I think everybody at the beginning of the year would have said is probably a pretty successful season. Well, and it's, right. it's not, Bob, it's yeah. not, um, you know, it, it, it feels like a meltdown, but it's not to the level of, like, second-half Trey Young season meltdown. No, no. it's, it's We haven't reached that point yet. But to what Eddie's saying, uh, realistically, if OU loses against Texas, they're going to fall from fifth to seventh because, you know, they can't be tied with Texas Tech, obviously, with the Raiders beating them twice. So you would go from second place, you know, a week and a half ago, to now being in one of the play-in games two weeks later, so it's which tech pivotal, is there right you know. now, right, right, and but if if they're tied, obviously tech's got the, the breaker edge there, so there you you can't have that. You, you win Thursday, you take care of a lot of problems. You go in on a high note, another big time top twenty-five win. You guarantee yourself a five uh, a five seed at least going into the uh kansas city but at least tomorrow night it's going it's going to be a long week in norman you know it's kind of funny too that like even whoever plays in that seven uh in on wednesday in the in the in a seated seventh in the big 12 tournament you could still and you know i you could still make an argument that any of the seven teams 
or in the top seven of the Big 12 could probably make the second round of the incident or the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. That's just how it kind of reflects on how good the Big 12 is. Like, I mean, we're sitting there on Tuesday night watching uh, Baylor and West Virginia, and, you know, West Virginia basically gave Baylor all that they wanted, and that's a team that OU beat twice somehow. Granted, the, the second one was in double overtime, but I don't know. I, I just feel like once these teams are able to step out of the Big 12, and I guess we've said this before, and Big 12 teams have fallen flat on their face, uh, and a lot of, you know, what, how far you go in the tournament is based on matchups, but I like a lot of these Big 12 teams to uh, at least get into, you know, the second round, if not the second weekend. Josh, would you like to take a break from breathing into the mic like you're watching Pornhub and talk about basketball? Um, no, I literally just saw that message. I just slid it away <laughs> right as you said. I was, I was not like, going to say anything, but I sent three, three DMs to the, the war room. Like, Josh, can hear you breathing. Josh, can hear you breathing. If it, makes, if it helps any, I didn't hear anything. So, Same. Nothing. We need to get better equipment for you guys, I guess. Or you're just overly sensitive to my breathing. For some reason, you don't like it, and clearly it doesn't bother Bob and Eddie. Gotta go. We, we got to go with what the producer says on this show. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no, I mean, look, I think the what, like you guys said, the one thing is the Cade Cunningham performance, you just leave that game Saturday going, holy shit, like that guy is, should be playing in the, the NBA right now. Uh, but, without a doubt, I think that is the, maybe the second best performance I've seen ever at the Lloyd Noble Center from a Michael Beasley number one I guess Steph Curry, Curry. yeah yeah mm-hmm. I mean, Curry had 44 on like 12 of 19 and he was 14 for 14 from the line yeah I was there I just I, I guess was awesome. yeah. yeah I guess it was because Beasley I mean it was more of a physical matchup for Blake Griffin and he he just he just kind of got worked but yeah, I mean, uh, Steph Curry's performance was really... I mean, the thing about that was, you know, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook were sitting on the front row watching that game. Is Russell, Jeff Green, and uh, KD, right? Yeah, the famous Jeff Pittsburgh. Green, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I still have OU Nightly video from that game on a uh, f***ing uh, DV. Like, not even a card, like, a, like the actual a tape. Yeah. tape. Which we still have those for Sooner Scoop for Scoop HD. Oh, we have we have boxes full of them. I have them at my house. Still? Yeah, I have them. Well, you need to dump those off to me. I have shoe boxes full of them. In fact, I think there's one shoe box, and it is just Justin Han- Justice Hansen tape. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> and that's just there the early little, years. Uh, there might be a little Devin Thomas in there as well. Well, what do you, I mean, look, the one thing that I noticed about watching Big 12, it was the same thing with West Virginia and Baylor, even though Baylor's been out with COVID. Everybody knows each other so well in the Big 12. These things are just disasters to watch right now. I mean, teams know they're, they're jumping in passing lanes. They're diving for balls. It's very physical. Refs seem to be letting people play more now than they have all season. Uh, It's just, it's like a rumble every time two teams get on the floor in the Big 12 right now. But they're playing in the 90s, which is nice. It's not like yeah. 50 to 50. They're still executing. It's really too bad that, you know, Kansas City obviously is not going to be packed because I would imagine that the Power and Lights District combined with the Sprint Center next week in Kansas City would be quite the atmosphere. 
Can we get it down to the American Airlines Arena? Do anything you want in Texas. Get it in Texas. <laughs> that would be cool. I like Kansas City, though. I think that's no, a great, it's great. It's a great venue. For it. So, I mean, Baylor looks like they're kind of riding the ship a little bit. Is Kansas the, the next best team right now? Do they look like they're making the jump? I mean, on court-wise, I could make the argument that Oklahoma State's playing just as well as anybody. And then they have the best player in the country. And yet they still have to go to West Virginia and Baylor for the rest of this week. This week is just crazy. Well, and that's the funny thing. It's like, you know, and, and rightfully so, like Mike Boynton and everybody in Stillwater, they should get a lot of credit for what's going on up there because it is more than just Kate Cunningham. Bryce Williams is really good. Caleb Boone's made a jump. Avery Anderson's a really good player, but like if I'm an Oklahoma State fan, I'm a little suspect that likely didn't play in these last two games, and that's as good as they played all season. I was surprised that he didn't play Monday night. Is it? it, I've seen two different things. Is it a foot or a hand? The hand. Okay, it's the hand that he messed up last Monday against Tech. But see, I I look at, and this is an old take here, but with likely is so ball dominant. When he's not on the floor, it makes Cade Cunningham be more involved. And it's almost like a team, almost like Kansas in 88 with Danny Manning. Like, they've got this just superstar, and they've got all these other role players that are just trying to make him. Like, nobody else is really trying to dominate. Because Cade Cunningham is so, um, he is not trying to be the center of attention. Like, he's trying to get other people involved. And if people get involved and they make shots, he's like, fine. But without Likely on the floor, it's almost like he knows he has to take over a little bit more. And that's a good thing if you're Oklahoma State. Yeah, it's like he was nowhere on Monday night, and then all of a sudden yeah, you look up and the guy has 13 of the last 15 points in the last 10 minutes of the game for Oklahoma State. Or I guess he had 13 of his of his 15 in the last right. 10 minutes. He just made smart plays all the time on Monday and when to attack, when when to pass. And OU made the adjustment. And they, they sagged when it came to the post so that he couldn't have those opportunities. And I just still think Harkless against Cunningham on the perimeter was worth the price of admission alone, those back-to-back games. But, you know, it, what's weird is OU played – Kansas State, the way they play Bedlam, they win that game easy, and that's always going to be like, why Why did they have such a clunker? And they bounced back, but now that you've lost two games where you played well, how does how are you affected mentally? I think that's the one thing I'll be asking Mo and Brady here in the next hour. Yeah, and just, a- just, you know, how does how does Austin Reeves move forward, you know, as a, as a player? And, and how does he integrate himself better into a team instead of just being mm-hmm. the guy that just tries to take over. Because, look, I he has expanded his role. He's been the point guard. Uh, it's been good for Davion Harmon. But, I mean, Davion Harmon disappeared in the game, and that shouldn't ha- – I mean, he's so much better than just a guy that just fades into the background. And he does that a lot, though. If you look throughout the season, Harmon's a first-half guy. And, and then, like every now and then, he makes a nice shot in the second half. But he, his role has been getting the team fired up and doing the the, the thing in the first twenty minutes. I've something I've watched a lot is like, I don't know if he 
fades into the background or, or what, but the second half, you usually don't say Harmon had a big second half to help the Sooners win. I could definitely see that being a case too, that like, you know, and he, if OU would have been able to find a way to win on Saturday, he hit some big shots in the second half, but it's almost like, I don't want to say he gets frozen out, but then again, he doesn't necessarily get the ball a whole lot. It's like, I think that's when Austin Reeves kind of becomes almost a vacuum, if you will. Right. And, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, if it works out, nobody says anything and everybody celebrates what Reeves able to do, but it hasn't worked out the last two games. And I think that that's, you know, probably one of the reasons why they've lost. Well, and I think, you know, it looked for a while that Kirk West was becoming a really, you know, important part of them defensively. And then, you know, if Manic plays well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you have to put Manic back out there now. Like, you kind of gave up on him, but you have to give him a chance. So, like, is Manic, like, does he have to go out and immediately do some positive things in order to stay on the floor? Yes, because it, it doesn't carry over with, with Lon. What I was surprised about is that the split on Monday was 38-2 to two between Manic and Queth, and Iwakor never even touched the court. Iwakor didn't Manic, d- deserve to touch the court after his game Saturday. <laughs> I mean, that was well, as I bad think, as I've seen him play. Manic might have slowed down in the second half. I think he needed a breather or two, and Queth, you know, can get you a block or two in the alley-oop dunk that's been – play that's worked the entire season but you know that's you kind of saw the first sign you maybe a little bit of a sub tweet by quest yesterday just saying he can only you know control what he can control as the first sign of anything that that i've uh seen from any of the players about kind of being frustrated about playing time or what their role has been but you know it's just gonna be curious what this these last couple of days of practice have have been like because, you know, like I said, they played well Saturday and Monday. And against most teams, you think they could have at least been one and one. Instead, they're zero and two, and then looking at zero and three. And how do they fix it going into Texas? Well, like you said, the uh, or not like you said, but they are getting ready to play Texas before the Big Twelve tournament. That game uh, coming up uh, on Tuesday night, and that that was the one moved to ESPN, right? I don't. I don't remember if they had a TV designation yet. Did did they finally make one? I, I know thought a couple of weeks ago, like a week ago. I just ago assumed or so. it was eight o'clock after the Big Ten game on ESPN. Because when uh, it was announced Sunday, it had ESPN slash the Deuce. So I, I'm sure they've made a designation by now. But yeah, so eight uh, eight p.m. Thursday. Thursday. Crazy. Okay, yeah. Last, yeah, it's it's listed on Center Sports as ESPN, but. Who knows? We'll see. It's crazy that's the final regular season game. All right. Well, um, outside of hoops, uh, what's going on right now with OU football is, uh, you know, going through workouts. Uh, the, um, I believe it's uh, next week. No, no, no. Uh, in Yeah, ne- the end of next week, I believe we should have OU's Pro Day. Uh, from what we're told, no media uh, will be at that. It'll just be all Zoom stuff. Uh, but obviously, we've talked about this a lot. It's going to be a really big day for a lot of people. And it was curious, you know, OU tweeted out uh, something like these. We, we kind of debated this last week. They tweeted out the people that would have been invited to the Combine if there was one, and Trey Norwood was one of the guys they included. He made the cut. Make me look stupid. 
Still think Motley should. Motley should have been there before him. That's all I'm going to say. They're both kind of undersized guys that made a lot of plays, though. They're kind of the same person, except Motley is a corner. A better corner. Also, Josh uh, triggered today by Chris Sims. I know I saw that. Oh, am I back in the pod? This is great. Hey, how's it going, guys? <laughs> you can talk basketball if you want to talk basketball, Josh. I have no business talking basketball. We all know it. The, the podcast becomes dumber for my basketball uh, participation. It's Chris Sims. Pretty good evaluator of talent. Um, I mean, guys, I don't even think this is me. I think this is... Anybody that has watched Kellen Mond and Justin Fields play football and it's comes not, out with and Kellen Mond it's ahead? It's not just Kellen Mond. He has Zach Wilson above Trevor Lawrence as well. Yeah, that's uh, maybe he hates Georgia kids. I I, I don't know. Um, Zach, like, do you like Zach we, Wilson, Josh? I do. I do. Um, I wouldn't say I've watched enough of him to be like, okay, I, I'm all in or I'm all out. Like, I, I like what I've seen. Um, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, anybody knows. Like, I, there's no question he's the number one guy for me. But at the same time, like, okay, I, I guess you know you could, you could get into the athleticism of Wilson and some of the things he does. And like, I, I, I okay, I, I wouldn't be there, and I think that's kind of crazy, but fine. Um, but Kellen Mond, who literally A and M protected by running the ball a ton and grinding out the clock because they did not trust him to make throws and do things he needed to do. And was the, I mean, let's be honest, guys, was the benefactor of the worst SEC, you know, um, talent collection, or not talent collection, but team collection in 20 years? I mean, this was a bad, this was not a great SEC schedule that A&M faced. And he still wasn't good enough to be like, okay, he's going to carry the day. He's going to be our guy. They were built around the run game. I, I just I don't understand the Kellen Mond fascination. And he had to a me, great he, running back, and Isaiah Spiller. Yeah, if, if he can hold a clipboard for ten years, I think that's a really successful career for Kellen Mond. <laughs> well, he was bad in the in the first. I mean, he, he was worse than bad in the first half of the the Senior Bowl, and then he actually was the most impressive I've ever seen him in the second half. But I've watched plenty of Texas A&M games. Uh, and outside of that LSU game, never saw him really make a throw down the field. He lost that big receiver that they had, uh, and then he was just even worse after that. But, I mean, PFF says he graded higher this last year than he ever had by a little bit. I just, I'm not impressed by him. I never have been. Yeah, he's one of those guys where it's, when it's all on time and everything's like it should be, he's pretty good. But, I mean, that's not, especially in the NFL, that's not the way it works. Like, you are going to get off schedule. You're going to have to go progress through your reads. I mean, you know, he, I don't, a 63% passer in college football, I, that's, that's not great. At Mississippi State, they threw 23 passes and completed 13 of them. Uh, I mean, LSU, he was 11 for 34 against that LSU defense. Wow. That, and I would that's love, crazy. I would love to watch how long a GM stays a GM if he drafted Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence. I mean, maybe Zach Wilson will have a better career than Trevor Lawrence, but you can't make that pick. You just can't. That's it, a it's indefensible. Losing pick. 
Yep. It's like we always talk about guys in recruiting, like where people are like, oh, this guy's a great player. Yeah, he's a six foot one offensive lineman. Like, that's cool that he's great, but you have to go back and defend that. And you can defend it if the guy's six foot five and had offers from everywhere and didn't pan out. It's pretty hard to defend the six foot one guy that nobody else wanted. Like, what were you looking at? And if it pays off, great. You look smart, but it's really tough to defend that decision if it's wrong. And here's the thing: if you're a good program, you just can't take a six foot one offensive lineman because you. I mean, Alabama would never take a six foot one offensive lineman because they can do better. Uh, you know, guys. Again, we we talk about this all the time. You know, I get these these high school coaches or players or parents or whatever. They're like, "Well, look at look at Johnny. He's a great player." Blah blah blah. He wants to play tight end at OU or Alabama or wherever. I'm like, find a guy on OU Alabama's roster that's on scholarship that has his measurables. Find me one. And you can't. You can't do it. That you go to you get to go to North Dakota State. And that's great. That's good football. But like that's where you lose the realism. Like you have to have some ability to be objective about that to make a you know to make informed decisions or evaluations. Do you think that Alex Grinch, if he were in place, he would have just passed on Buki? No question. Don't they don't take Buki. Yeah, I don't mean. I, I mean, Josh. I don't even know if they would have recruited him. No, I, I. I don't think there's a chance, Eddie. I don't think there's a chance in hell that he gets recruited at at five eight five nine. Um, because guys, it's it's one thing. Like, okay, Tyron Matthews is a good example. Tyron Matthews, I, I don't know what his combine measurements was, but he's five nine, five ten, something like that. But he's real long. Like he's got long yeah. arms, long legs. So maybe you could get there on him. Buki's like compact. Like he's solid. Like he's a he's a kind of fire plug type of guy. And that's fine, but that's, I mean, people get caught up in the height. And don't get me wrong, like, Grinch wants big guys. But if you've got length, you can make up for some of that. Like, Trey Brown has some length to him. Um, Pono yeah. Motley, no bigger than he was, very long-armed guy. So, like, there are, and I mean, I know he didn't recruit either one of those guys, but I'm just trying to say, like, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be six foot two. But if you have some length and you can get into passing lanes and you can do some of the things that they are looking for, they can overlook some of the other stuff. But that's not – Buki has nothing to do with what OU's looking for at defensive back. Which is, it just goes back to your point. Like, I'm a guy could be a five-star. It's not about, you know, being a scrappy high school player that, that's better than other people because, you know, even regardless of his height, like – you could be a five star and be five nine, and you're not going to get recruited as a defensive back at Oklahoma. They just don't want. That's not that goes against their uh, the foundation of what they believe in, which is length. Because, and and why do they believe that? Because go back to that Iowa State game that everybody was mad at Buki about. He could not cover Charlie Kohler in the end zone. Absolutely, I and mean that's exactly why you don't. That's why you want to recruit length. Yeah, the guys. I mean, length and speed. I mean, they they. It's the, look at what they're doing at wide receiver. I mean, they're not. They didn't get Relique Brown because you know he's big. They got him because he can fly. I mean, they want speed or they want length. And whether it's on either side of the ball, but I mean, Grinch is clearly hard and fast. There, there's no real exceptions to these rules. But I mean, you know, you look at even guys that have been fairly productive under Grinch. Jaden Davis. Jaden Davis wouldn't be recruited by Oklahoma right now. Like he he doesn't yeah. fit what they want to be. Um, but that doesn't well, mean that like, he can't it, be a useful player. And it, 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 it's crazy to say this too, but 
if you have length and they don't really know that you have you know blazing speed, like they'll go with the length. They'll go with the measurables. Just like Alabama, they go with measurables. They, if you're questionable athletically compared to, you know, maybe a guy that's if so let's say you're an offensive tackle, and you're six foot six, uh, six five six six, uh, but you're not as athletic as maybe a six two guy, uh, you'll go with the six five six six guy. Yeah, because of measurables. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a, it's something you can quantify. I mean, especially right now, guys. Like, I think it's more important than ever that you because they can't go see these guys. So, if there's any way that they can say, "I know this guy is big enough; he'll fit what I want him to be," then that's that's a huge check in a year when it otherwise, you know, might not be. Like, a good example is you know, like these some of these defensive linemen you'll see that you're like, "Yeah, he's really good," but on tape. He looks like he's probably six two. The guy on tape that is clearly six foot four, six foot five, big, long, lanky guy. That guy's got to shoot. He's got a leg up right now. He just does, and that's uh, you know fair, not fair. I, I don't really know how you want to look at that, but that is the way it is because it's one less thing you have to wonder about and not know in this era, this year, last year of recruiting that is just pure, you know, guesswork. It's patchwork at best. Which is why it's been interesting, all the praise that's been harped on Buki from Grinch and Lincoln Riley. And now we're four weeks removed from entering the portal and still nothing. I mean, I, I And we almost... know why that is. It's because he's such a good guy in the locker room. I right. mean, like, for all the shortcomings he has as a player, they know he makes them better from a culture standpoint. And I get I, that. I think, it, it, I think it goes even further, too, just as far as... There's no reason to badmouth a guy that has a brand like Buki does. Like he, Buki's, I would assume if a kid asked Buki about what his experience been like in Norman, he's going to be very glowing about it. And I think that that, you know, it might not reach a whole lot of kids, but I'm sure that there's kids that grow up in California or wherever nationally that are going to look to him and kind of take his advice, whether it's good or whether that's the right thing or the wrong thing to do. The one thing that that I like about Lincoln Riley, the one thing. Um, the thing that I, I find, you know, a, a real positive about him as a coach is, one, we all we all kind of see people go through this. We go through this ourselves. It's like I I go th- I went through that this morning thinking about the J.J. Watt deal. Like, okay, an NFL team can no longer afford to retire a jersey because they might miss out on a free agent in the future whose jersey number is also their brand. Like J.J. Watt. Yeah. 99 is his brand. Like, it's yep. bigger than just a player. And and I'm sitting there thinking, like, God, that's so stupid. And, you know, the old in me is like, that's so dumb, you know, that they got to unretire a jersey. But you have to think about it in those terms. Like, it's just a different age. And you have to bend a little bit. You can't just be old school on everything. And Lincoln does bend on things. I mean, he's done it through recruiting. He's done it through, you know, like Zach Heffley and his video staff and made that a priority. But I also do think that there's a part of Lincoln that holds on to some old school stuff. Uh, and he throws, I mean, it's just like the the locker room thing with Buki. It's like, that is a football coach's, you know, vision. Like, that's how a, a real football coach thinks. And he's not so worried. Like, there are times when he puts his foot down and says, you know, I, I have to be a little old school about this. Like, this is a core uh, value that I believe in, and he hasn't really lost track of some of that stuff. As new age as he can be at times. 
Yeah, it, it's kind of like we talked about before. I mean, I, I think that sometimes we forget that Lincoln Riley is a, a guy from West Texas, Mulshoe. You know, it's like he still has some very based principles, but he also gets it. And I think that, that you know, it's obvious why he's become what he is today. All right, a good friends over at Dead Soxie, uh, big fans of the podcast and uh, big fans of you guys because you have been knocking it out of the park uh, ordering your Dead Soxie stuff. Uh, appreciate you guys uh, sending stuff to us or tag us on social media. Uh, let us know if uh, you're big fans of the Boardroom series or the No Show series. Uh, and Eddie, there's a reason why people should be big fans of Dead Soxie because their socks are just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's 70 degrees in Oklahoma City, so I'm wearing oh. shorts today. And I will be wearing uh, the cutoff shot, the no-show, the no-show socks all day. And I might not take them off until probably when it gets cold again. So, uh, And even then, you could switch over. So it, it, it's perfect scenario for anybody that's trying to wear the no-show socks, especially in Oklahoma at this time of the year. And as a listener to this podcast, we have a special promo code for you. Just use the promo code BOOMER at checkout, and you'll get 30% off your entire order. The promo code, again, is BOOMER. Get you some of those high-quality socks. And like Eddie said, with the temperatures heating up, uh, you're going to want some comfortable socks. And these are those, especially uh, even if maybe you got to get back out in the office and you just want something to feel uh, like your feet are on pillows. Uh, the boardroom collection uh, is fantastic. they got the no-slip silicone beads uh, in the welt that will prevent that slippage so you won't feel like... Uh, your ankles are uh, in quicksand. So go check them out. Dead Soxy, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y dot com. Use that promo code BOOMER for 30% off. Uh, and as always, stay Soxy. All right, outside of What's that, um, Josh, let's just hit a little recruiting here. Um, of course, you went down and uh, spoke to Demetrius Hunter, uh, I think, what, uh, two, three days before he made his announcement, his commitment? Yeah, I went on Saturday, and he announced uh, yesterday morning. So uh, you knew that he was committing to Oklahoma. I mean, he showed up in an OU shirt that he had specially made, uh, which I gave Josh crap for because he took a photo of him, one photo, and cut off the shirt so we couldn't even see it. So, Well, if it makes you feel even worse, I took about 20 photos <laughs> just to make sure I got the one I wanted, the right, you know, him, <laughs> him looking right, the whole thing. And then I left, and I was like, I guess I should have gotten one that was a little more panned out because I it was I just literally took it from where I was standing to shoot the video. But let's not pretend that was the biggest debacle of the the trip to Orange, Texas. Um, that damn camera wire! I don't know how that happened. So that that's that's one I'm pretty proud of. I'm trying to figure out. I wasn't. I was. I was scared to say anything. Me too. I know. Scared to say anything when uh, when it showed up. Uh, I, I see, and you can tell from Carrie's reaction. Carrie has not watched the video. Carrie, so <laughs> no, when I, I no, no. See, here's what I did. That's okay. I don't. I started watching the video, and then your damn mic made noise when you were going back and forth, and I had to stop watching because I don't want to be freaking equipment Nazi. And just like, why can't you fix your mic? I, I don't know. Or tell me you're, that it can't be fixed, and I'll buy a new one. I don't know. I like. I don't even know what you're talking about right now. We we can we can circle. Like I know it you brought this up before. A noise. We can circle back to like, this. When, it, it, it's it's for hold, it's for holding the receiver on the bottom instead of like holding the the mic. 
I think it okay. gets a the little. The connection uh, comes <laughs> undone because I don't because you really do have to press that in hard, and I don't think you pushed it in hard enough. Okay, okay, we we, we can talk about that. The these are the, the bigger the, problem just is for a the audience, These are the things through that, the screen. Yeah, the 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 I know what you're talking about. The the cable cord. Yep. So what happened? And I, I really had to re, I had to think about like how the hell did I mean, this, it's, like, it's never happened to me. See, I'm just trying not to be triggered, and I'm, I'm no, I'm trying not to be that guy. <laughs> But you're but making you are me that, be that guy. guy. You have to be who you are. You have to be who you are. You, you are that guy. Drove and this all one, that way to go yeah, do this an one interview, is totally an fair. exclusive interview with the girls. Uh, with the girls in tow. The girls in tow. They were. They were in the truck. And this is, oh, and, you know, God. normally I give you shit. This is a fair grievance. This is a fair. What the hell are you doing here, Josh? Um, I didn't. I don't know how I didn't notice. I, I still don't understand. So we had set up inside of this building. And I was kind of like, eh, it's kind of dark in here. Maybe we should go because they kind of wanted to do it in there. He had these jerseys all set out. He had this really nice thing, but I was like, it's dark. This is this is going to come out funny. Why don't we move outside? And what am I doing? I'm trying to get the. Uh, I'm like, Carrie, it's going to be dark. Nobody's going to like this. Like, I'm thinking about it. So yeah, we, I, I have that. I have the whole thing. Although set Eddie up. will like, tell you that camera that you have is excellent in low light. If you know how yeah. to use it right, but you probably well, don't. we we know we're I don't. We're just gonna have so. a motherfucking boot camp for equipment. We're we're just gonna have to do that. I mean, everybody's Ugh. gonna have to come here for a weekend, and we're just gonna because everybody's getting new stuff, and that's coming. So I mean, this sounds awful. It's 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 coming, <laughs> and there's gonna be lights and microphones and booms and all this shit, and you're gonna have to know how to work it. Speaking of, Tiffany saw the light uh thing that you got you put up on facebook or something and she was like what is that and i was like i don't know what that is she goes did we buy that i was like i'm sure that we did did we buy that well i mean she meant the site and i was like yeah the site bought that i don't know what that is i don't know anything about that so and i take advantage of the fact that you're ignorant of things because i can just buy whatever i want and you don't know what it is it's terrible. But it's very much needed, and I'm going to use it to go take photos that we've talked about today, mm-hmm. uh, because we don't have a Cooper Alexander photo, and we need one. But well, l- let it be said, Tiffany doesn't miss shit on Facebook, so be real careful, real careful what you put up there, because she noticed. I am it. not I... running purchase orders past Tiffany. Okay, that's not <laughs> happening. It's not that she will bring it to me. Is all I'm saying. I won't miss that. Facebook, you could post anything for years, and I'd be like, I have no idea that's there. I I don't notice anything on Facebook, but that is she is a Facebook. Um, uh, I'm going to start inventing lurker. things like now, like I adopted a child just to mess with her. <laughs> Carrie adopted a child? Like right now, I just got a notice from her, like one of my family members may have been in a car accident. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know anything about that. I'm sure it's from Facebook. So um, anyway, let's get back to Demetrius Hunter if we at all can get this back on track. Um, let's just say if uh, immigration, you have any problems locating families, uh, I'm open to adopting. There, we, oh, That's that's really sweet. Carrie, Carrie as a single father, that would be... That's a that's a sitcom waiting to happen. Um, Actually, yes. it's, I just think that that's the next wave in NFT is underground black market for babies. So <laughs> getting in early. Like actually having the child. Oh, here, here it is. Show everybody the picture. It's like a 3D thing. <laughs> what, what would you call that? Uh, uh, crypto crypto uh, trafficking. Probably. 
Not sex. I don't know. I'm sure Epstein will be in charge of it, though. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I derailed this. It, not No more NFT talk. Uh, Josh. No, no, no. I honestly, I took this off the rails. It just kept rolling farther off, uh, off. Um, but no, you know, going out to see him, uh, Demetrius Hunter. Like I said, I hadn't seen him in person before, and I told him when I got out there, guys. Do you, do you know the last time Oklahoma landed somebody from the Golden Triangle out there in the Beaumont, Port Arthur, um, Orange area? Are we going? Was Trey uh, Franks and I James Haynes? Yeah, I was thinking those yes, two exactly. I knew that's who that was. That's insane, guys. James I mean, the, the amount didn't of talent. Last too long. No, j- j- and you know, and I, Trent I still Frank's remember left and then came back and finished, which was remarkable. Yeah, and Trey was like the slowest fast guy I've ever seen in my whole life. Like I, like that guy, legitimately was like ten four hundred meter fast, and you never once saw him bust a big play at OU. Like you, like kept thinking, like, are you running he yet? Stumbled. Like, is this gonna he happen? Stumbled too much. Oh, brutal. Brutal to watch. They tried to make him the kickoff returner. Monster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they tried to make him the, like, didn't just try. They forced him to to be a kick returner, and he never did jack. Yeah, it, it, you know, and you know they were thinking, like, surely this is like Forrest Gump. Like, in the worst-case scenario, <laughs> if he'll just run a straight line, nobody's going to catch him every once in a while. And it just never happened. Um, but anyway, so getting to see him up close uh, – about six three, you know, big guy, real, you know, he he is the Bill Beatonboat. This is, you know, and I saw uh, Gabe Eichard tweet like they've come a long way from having to recruit tight ends. Yeah, this is not a guy that's going to have to put on weight once he gets to campus. He's going to have to probably lean out a little bit, kind of add some muscle and that kind of thing. But he's not; it's not uh, a big deal. But he's just a, he's probably carrying a little bit of bad weight that he'll need to lean out. But. um you know, just being around him, really great kid. I, I loved his quote during the interview, and I kind of asked him about him being cousins with Earl Thomas, and, you know, he was like, oh, no, we're it's all Boomer Sooner, you know, horns down, whole thing. So, I mean, he, he really, he's a kid that's embraced it. But I thought it was interesting, and, guys, I would be interested to hear your take on this. It's been something that's going on more and more in this class is that, well, the NCAA has bumped back um, – Obviously, the, the the dead period it's extended longer, and so now I want to go ahead and make my decision. I'm like, I don't know that I understand how those two things connect. Now, I get the deciding early because I think these are going to be this is going to be a really small class nationwide. Like, there's not going to be as many D1 signees as we're used to seeing. So I get it on that level, but how that connects to the end of the dead period, I don't understand that at all. I can't figure out why that would. I would think it would be the opposite, not that way. I think they're worried they don't know when it's going to open. And then they don't know if it's going to open when their high school season's going on. And I don't know if they want to make visits during the high school season. Now, that used to be the norm, right? You'd make your five mm-hmm. visits during five weekends during the high school season. But that's not how these guys know to process since they've it, opened it up. It, so, if they... Go ahead, Bob. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, so this is their reality. This is what they know. They know they they should have been able to go in the winter and the spring, and now they're being told no. And I don't know if they want to do all five within like three month period. If they push back the uh, recruiting period or the dead period even further, Division One coaches should march on Indianapolis because that would be the most ridiculous thing in the entire world. I'd love to see Ed Ogeron trying to break down the doors like an insurrection. 
That'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> I love I mean, that. It's, it's Pat, ridiculous that they pushed it back to begin with. I'd love to ask Pat uh, uh, Pat Fields since he's on the co- the committee for this, but, but he I, I show seriously up. think we're never we're never going to get that chance. But can you I mean, imagine it's enraged not the NCAA? It's that committee that's yeah, telling the that. committee. Can you imagine yeah. enraged Matt Campbell at the NCAA offices? <laughs> like tell him that you know they just missed an offsides call, get him fired up. Okay, so. Um, Demetrius Hunter in. Good job going there after that. No credit whatsoever, Josh. <laughs> um, hey, hey, real quick Josh. on Demetri- real quick on Demetrius. I is he is his body style a little bit like and he's obviously not as tall. Does he have a little Marquise Hayes in him just from a wide body? Yeah, he's real broad. Um yeah. Kind of, Kerry, you know, and Eddie, I don't know. I mean, I know you'll remember him, but I don't know if you ever around him. Kind of reminds me of Vince Carter, Kerry, kind of yeah. same, kind of uh, long-armed, kind of real big, broad-chested kind of guy. Nice um, birthing hips. Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, kind of those guys, like, he just big. I mean, just big everywhere. Just a big dude. Um, and I kind of, I was concerned, like, you know, kind of we were talking about on uh, earlier, where, you know, you watch guys on tape. And you're like, man, he is he six one, six two? How big is he? He's six three. I mean, he was clearly a couple inches taller than me. Um, I, I think he told me six four. Uh, but I thought it was interesting, also, him talking about having conversations with uh, Orlando Brown and Creed Humphrey. And I, I think it's you know Creed, you kind of understand it, but Orlando, it it's continues to impress me how much he kind of helps Oklahoma being gone for you know three years now. I mean, he still does his part and will connect with guys. Um, just kind of, you know, I guess given his two cents. Yeah, I think with Orlando, it's kind of like passing it on for what Jamal Brown did for him. He kind of sees that, like he appreciated that so much that he kind of wants to be that for other young guys, which is really cool. Uh, and I'm sure he appreciates that OU took the chance because we all know he wasn't supposed to academically qualify. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's just a good dude. Um. Okay, let's let me ask you. Uh, I know a lot of people are wondering this because uh, when things like this happen, uh, everyone makes a big deal out of it. Uh, but Kendall Daniels ends up uh, signing, I guess you could say, with OSU. I mean, they released him just like he was a, a member of their signing day class uh, with their Tecmo Bowl stuff. Uh, but Josh, maybe just kind of if you could break down what it was about Oklahoma's views of Kendall Daniels and and why that thing never really materialized either before he went to A and M or after he left. Well, before it was pretty cut and dry. I think Oklahoma wanted him to be a linebacker. I don't think that's what he was comfortable with. And I, I think and Oklahoma I, I think was willing to kind of have that conversation. But at the same time, Oklahoma was trying to work out numbers and like we talked about all last season, they were not gonna go you know, after a bunch of guys they didn't know, they they wanted to have a pretty clear picture of what that 2021 class was going to look like. And they kind of gave him a deadline, and he went past it. And Oklahoma even gave him some time beyond that deadline. And finally they were just like, you know what, we're, we're going to move on. We're, we're going to do something else. And, I, I, you know, I know for people outside of it, there gets to be a, well, why would you do that? You didn't – nobody else took that spot. And that's I, I don't even disagree with that necessarily, but I mean that was just kind of what they they felt they wanted to do. They they had 
they felt they'd given him enough time. They'd sold him on everything. And there was always this, well, OU's not communicating with him a lot. And I, when I would talk to people, it was the argument was on the other side of the fence. Like maybe he's not communicating with Oklahoma enough. So I think there were just some wires that got crossed, and Oklahoma just kind of decided to wash their hands. This time around, I got the impression Oklahoma was interested. I don't think they felt like they had enough time to kind of make sure the numbers were going to work, do the due diligence, all the stuff that they wanted to do, and then really kind of get involved with him. Because by the time I, I got the impression they had really spoken with the staff at Beggs, had finally, I believe, gotten in touch with him on Sunday. Saturday afternoon. Was it Sunday? Okay. It was the day Sunday. before he actually announced. So he announced on Monday. Bob's right. It was yep. Sunday. Um, they had been in touch with him, and I think at that point his mind was pretty much made up. Like there, there really wasn't much to do. And you know, you get it. His teammate, his buddy C.J. Brown's going to go to Oklahoma State. They get to have that connection. Um, Beggs has got several other players that could be uh, headed in that direction at some point or another. It's a really talented roster right now. So, um, I, like I said, I don't think this time it was a closed door. I think Oklahoma just didn't have enough time to kind of put it together, and it sounded like once he left A&M, he really, it was going to be tough for it to be anybody but OSU, honestly. And you give give credit to Mike Gundy. He reached out Friday afternoon. I mean, he did what you're supposed to do. To If you're a recruit and you want to know that you're wanted, that's exactly how Mike Gundy approached that situation. Absolutely. I mean, Gundy was Gundy was the first head coach he talked to. I was even told LSU made a, a fairly yes uh, yep. sincere pass at him. So um, this is a like I said, Kendall Daniels is an interesting conversation because it's kind of like what we talked about, guys. Physically, he's long, he's athletic, he he almost exactly is what Oklahoma has talked about wanting. But at the same time, where does he really fit on that defense? Like I, I don't know. What to me the best argument is Nickelback, and that's only because I know that's what they were telling the Desan McCullough kid that's now headed to Ohio State in the 2022 class, who's about six three, six four, and 215 pounds, very similar to Kendall Daniels. And if you see him in that way, okay, sure, Kendall Daniels could do the same things. I got no problem with that. But he's not really a linebacker. I don't think he moves like a safety in the way Oklahoma wants. So I I don't know. It's just an interesting. He's he's gonna he will be a very interesting guy to watch because I think Oklahoma is either going to be completely vindicated or going to look really silly on it. I'm not sure which one it's going to be. There's also the possibility that they look really silly and then it works out for Oklahoma where maybe they just had some better players or you know they, they're sure. okay at that position. Sure, uh, you know because if you I look at it, I mean that if I had to guess. If, if you were going to bet on, you know, I mean, the guy, if you were going to say one guy took, you know, his, his scholarship, you'd probably argue it's Billy Bowman. And I, I've got pretty good confidence. I don't know if Billy Bowman's going to be an All American, but I'd be shocked if Billy Bowman's not a really good player. Okay. Uh, since you were gone last week, Josh, um, we didn't have a chance really to break down. Uh, we really didn't talk much recruiting last week at, at all. Uh, but I don't think we've talked about uh, Jason Llewellyn since he committed uh, Joe John Finley's first uh, signing, or at least commitment at Oklahoma. Um, I'm sure that's a guy that you've seen, you know, many times uh, covering Alito as much as you have over the years, or maybe you haven't. Um, but what what is this guy's 
athleticism maybe tell us about what OU is looking at at tight end right now uh, with Joe John Finley in charge? Well, you know, it's it's a guy that the thing that sticks out to me when I watch him, and I know this isn't going to you know wow all the the listeners. Dude's an awesome blocker. I mean, like he is very good at that. He is going to play a huge role for Oklahoma. Like if you told me that he could do a lot of the same things you see from Braden Willis completely believe that now at the same time you watch him and he's got some plays including i think in the semifinal game where he makes an unbelievable one-handed catch i mean this isn't a guy this isn't you know and no offense this isn't a guy like brody eldridge it's like okay you you block just just block and do that and you're gonna i mean no offense but we know what brody's game was um i think brody would tell you that yeah i mean you're talking about a tight end that literally broke his neck in college yeah, I mean, the, he did know, what he I, did, and and became an offensive lineman and a pretty damn good one. Yeah, um, and he kept playing after he broke his neck. Oh, that's so offensive lineman. That that's the kind of stuff you know that that just make makes me so proud. You know the uh, the, the group. But anyway, we won't get into that. Um, I was going to say, Dad. <laughs> yeah, I I know. I mean, every offensive lineman. I mean, it's it's just a brother. It's a brotherhood. That's what it is. So. Um, even not good ones like do myself. Do they know you're in the club? No, they don't. They don't give a <laughs> shit even if I think I do. So, uh, but no, Llewellyn's a guy that, you know, and I was thinking about this when he, when he committed, I was like, of course, of course, the first year in like three years I haven't seen an Alito game is the year that OU lands a dude. So, I mean, and well, there's I, I a guess fair it, amount of PT, PTSD involved in that. So maybe give you a pass on that one. Oh, th- there's no question when people are like, do you think he's going to stick, Josh? I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. Like, I just everything in Alito is terrifying. Um, but no, like I said, I I like the kid a lot. I think it, and I I think, uh, and we had something in woke this morning. People that you know aren't members, hit me up, Josh at Soonerscoop.com, make an offer for you. But for those that are have read it and woke, I I think Oklahoma is not done at tight end. I think there is absolutely a chance they are going to kind of cast a guy like Llewellyn with a a more of a flex type of guy and like I said Llewellyn can play that role I, I think people are underrating him athletically I think he's a good athlete but to me his best game is going to be when he lines up off tackle and he can either you know seal that edge and, and pick up a linebacker or he can go out in a pass route and kind of be that complete tight end um, I think that's where he's the most versatile. He makes your offense the most difficult to contend with. So I, I like him a lot. I mean, I think it was a really good evaluation. You look at how he kind of blew up over the course of a couple of weeks there. Uh, I, I think his his stock is, I guess you could say, either is or was was going to continue to go up, uh, depending on how you want to look at it, whether rankings or offers or whatever. But he's, um, he's a good find, and obviously at a great program where Oklahoma – needs to get in the door there in whatever way uh you know just kind of soothe whatever whatever was amiss there kind of at the end of the jason mcclellan situation and jason's gonna he's gonna be liked a lot because he was supposed to be visiting texas the day he committed to ou so that that's that's something the fan base will appreciate for sure because what he told the coaches thursday night he announces friday morning but as of Wednesday of that week, he was supposed to be taking a trip to Austin. So things things change very you know very quickly, and you know, you got you know OU fans will love that it's a little shot against Texas. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that he held a Texas offer, if I'm not mistaken, like a week longer, something like that, uh, mm-hmm. than his OU offer. I mean, he. this is a guy that, that OU fans should love because he wasted no time jumping on that OU offer. I think it was four days, five days, like Monday, and then committed on Friday, or like Bob said, Thursday night. So, uh, you know, several several Texas experts had him had him headed to Oklahoma uh, to Texas. So it's a uh, it's a nice win for OU. There's no doubt about it. Outside of that, uh, just give us kind of a general breakdown of, of the latest. What's going on? Any big offers that really have kind of stood out to you that that have gone out in this past couple of weeks? Um, well, I mean, I, I guess the, the one you want to talk about right now, just because it's timely, is just literally about the time we started the podcast, Austin Jordan announced his top three of Oklahoma, Texas, and Ohio State, I believe, yeah. And, I, you know, I, this is a guy, uh, DB out of Denton Ryan, uh, high school teammates with Billy Bowman, and it feels kind of like an OU-Texas battle, but I've talked to several people as of late, and there is definitely a OU has feels like they're pulling ahead in this thing a little bit now you know and it may people will be like well yeah he's at denton and they've got a teammate the denton school denton isd has not been great to ou through the years they they have not landed a lot of guys at guyer or ryan um and they've recruited a ton of them and it just it's been tough to do so billy bowman was kind of the first time they've really gotten over that hump so i i think that is really a a story to kind of watch um Gentry Williams put out his top six yesterday. OU was obviously in it. I, I think OU would be very happy if that was their cornerback class, Austin Jordan and Gentry Williams together. Um, you know, and I, I guess you I guess you could call Ish Harris a recent offer, and he put out a, a top six that had OU in it. Kind of an interesting guy. I'm not sure where he is for OU because he's kind of a recent offer. He's kind of like what we talked about with Kendall Daniels, kind of a guy that's I'm not sure where he fits. I think he's probably a nickel, but he's talked about speaking to Brian Odom, which makes you think linebacker. Um, there's a lot to track there. And I, you know, I know a lot of people have asked me, um, uh, about the, the offer list breakdown. I have been working on that for the, be- I started that like while I was on vacation. I was just working on it kind of slowly but surely. And every time I about get it done, a new offer will go out or something will happen. And I keep having to kind of catch up. It should have been out like Tuesday, and instead I'll probably get it out tomorrow morning. Um, but yeah, there are like, I think since the last one I did, there's almost 40 offers on this list. It's OU has gotten very excited with their offers, especially in 2023, where you can tell they're starting to kind of set up, you know, the groundwork for that class. Outside of that, uh, I know you you've had some you know, some thoughts on, on the state and 2023 and things like that. But um, you mentioned, you know, along with, you know, Cooper Alexander uh, in, in kind of one of your latest updates, like there's three legit 2023 tight ends that have multiple offers. Like the state of Oklahoma as a tight end factory is, 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 is a thing. Well, you know, and, and like I said, I mean, I tweeted it out earlier, like it, and I have said this for a long time, the state, if there's any position where you could say, oh, you does, or oh, the state of Oklahoma does a really good job of putting out talent, it's tied in. I mean, you go back to Cooper's dad, Stephen Alexander. Uh, you've got, you know, guys like Ricky Brady. You've got Jermaine Gresham. I mean, you go down the list. There's a, got, look at guys that played at OSU, you know, Marcellus Wall. I mean, like there, there are some really, not Marcellus Wallace, uh, uh, oh, 
who am I thinking of? The the kid that played in the early two thousands and I made the uh oh damn it the kid from Douglas and I'm just gonna blank on his name. Um that doesn't doesn't matter. Long track record, a lot of good tight ends. Mark, Mark, not Marcus Wiley. Um, I know who's his name. About. He's yeah, the guy yeah. that, that Derek Strait knocked the pass away from. Yes, in the end that's zone. exactly who it is. Yep, and that I can't think of him. Even at, at Tulsa, Garrett Mills, who went on to play in the NFL for a while. Marcel, that's exact. I was like Marcel Marcellus Wallace. I'm showing my love of Pulp Fiction there, but Pulp um, Fiction. Yep. <laughs> yep. Exactly. But. uh Anyway, but yeah, so I mean, it's always been really good. And then in 2023, you've got Luke Haas from, from Bixby that's just a monster. I can't wait to see him either this spring or at some seven on seven stuff. I, I, he is must see guy for me this year. And then in 2024, I, I, we've already talked about Cooper Alexander at Norman High. And then there is also, um, the Wood. I'm going to, is it Connor Wood? I'm, I'm getting used to his name. Of course, I'm going to lead all into this and be wrong about his name. Um, but at, at Tulsa Union, that is a big-time kid, uh, Lanewood. Yep. So uh, really liked him. Somebody recommended to him, kind of watched his tape. Really athletic guy. Um, kind of looks like a flex tight end in the future. Uh, but, I mean, both Alexander and Wood don't have offers yet. Has obviously has a whole bunch of them. Um, with those Josh, two, though, I mean, I think those are Power 5 guys. R.J. Jackson fits into the picture. That is, that's going to be the really interesting one because I keep talking to people out there. They're like, oh, he's grown. He's gotten bigger. He's like 6'4 now. If he's 6'4, he could play tight end at a lot of places. I mean, he, he is super, super talented. But my question is, every time I've seen him, I had him more like 6'2-ish. And if that's the case, that's fine. But that's more of an H-back kind of your – you're not going to be seen in the same way as a recruit, even if he is as good a natural receiver as there is in the state. I mean, you know, I know, Eddie, Bob, you guys have seen him live. I loved him when I saw him. I mean, this is a tremendously talented dude. I just don't know if he's going to physically check all the boxes to move into that level of elite, you know, four-star type player that I think these other three may have a chance to be because they do have that size. Like we said earlier, you know, you, you've got to check that box, and the more boxes you check, the higher you're going to be recruited. And right now, to me, his height, his length is the question mark. And if he can, if he, you know, if I go see him in the spring and he's 6'4", man, there, there's not a lot I can knock him for. I mean, there is, I mean, and I hate to say it like that because that's not what you want to do, but that, again, you're having to check these boxes. And if he has the size, then, like I said, I, I think he could stand up with any tight end in the state. And you're also talking about kind of the difference, and this might be a terrible analogy, but it's almost the difference between, and I'm not discrediting what he did, but like a Dimitri Flowers type as opposed to like, you know, somebody with size, like an O.J. Howard. I know that scale is kind of wide, but that that's just how it is, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, like, if you that he's supposed to be a great baseball player too. Yes, and then that that is a that's a huge question with him because I I mean I've heard that it's gonna you know he could be a guy that's a a big bonus type guy someday in the MLB draft. So we'll have to see what factor that plays for him. But um, yeah, I mean, th like I said, he is a he's clearly very gifted. To me, it's just a question of does he have a 
true position? And if he does, is it a premier enough position to warrant a lot of the attention? You know, guys, like we talked about it. Eddie, you mentioned Dimitri Flowers. But prior to committing to Oklahoma when he got a late offer from the Sooners, he was committed to Boise State. I mean, you're not talking about a guy that, like, had all these huge chances. And Dimitri Flowers is as good a fullback, H-back as OU has had in this whole, you know, know, probably – in the last 30 years of Oklahoma football, much less, you know, you want to get down to all the other guys in the different eras, that's fine. But, I mean, for a guy that could do what you needed to do in that role, he was unbelievable. I, uh, I, you know, I'm getting ready to kind of start getting out and taking pictures of some of these younger guys. Uh, Josh, do you and Bob need to get together to work on uh, what poses I should put them in? Because that's always a fun point of contention with you two. <laughs> now, Walter teammates, back to back. I, I was fixing to say the the one we're talking about, Eddie or Carrie. There's teammates, so you got to do the back to back. They got to be looking at the camera. Gotta do yeah, well, see now that one doesn't bother me. That that one has see, evaluation you, principles. I'm okay now with I that. Buy damn footballs, which is just adding to the. Uh, Tiffany will not approve that. Oh, don't just don't put it on Facebook. She doesn't listen to the pod. It's going to be fine. I actually did look up footballs today. Those fucking things are expensive. Hell yes, they are. Just make sure they're Jordan brand. I mean, we don't. You know, we we got to do. We got to stick with dry fit. See, I can find. Uh, I can find Nike. But I I can't find I don't think they make Jordan brand footballs. I think even I, mean, I need to go back and look at pictures. But I think even like in the games they're Nike footballs. For shame, Oklahoma. Maybe they do get the Jordan brand put on. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. We haven't actually been at games up close. I forget <laughs> these things. Maybe we'll come back. By the way, that is interesting. Alabama. Texas and Texas A&M all saying uh, 100%. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't it be? Because the world is crazy. I mean, the you know who the biggest idiots in the entire world are right now are the fucking Thunder. What are they doing? They're being the Thunder, which is super careful, community-minded. So stupid. What did I miss? I've, I've clearly missed the something. The Thunder here. are not going to allow fans... Uh, this season at all yeah like so you can we can you can go to a football game you can go to a basketball game for any of the colleges here but you can't go to a thunder game it just doesn't make any sense guys this goes back to the early days of this whole thing why do keep people keep making these unilateral unilateral decisions like six months in advance like let it play out information is changing daily yeah, like just let it. Be. Like you can say next month, next you know few weeks for the foreseeable future. Leave it open ended. Why do you keep drawing these lines in the sand for a time frame you don't? There's n- the information's moving way too fast for you to be like, yep, hard and fast. We know that that won't work. Well, I'll say this, like you know, I, I think I was worried just for my parents uh, because they're supposed to get their second shot, and their day was like yesterday, and it came and went. And they got an email saying. Uh, we don't have the vaccines to give the shots. Just stay, stay, you know, stay tuned, and we'll let you know. And then they got an email the very next day saying, "Okay, your second shots are on Thursday." So even with all the crap that's been going on in Texas, it does seem like they're still they're they're kind of recovering and able to get the vaccines again. 
So, I mean, I, I'm just telling that story. The point, like, we don't know how quickly this is going to move, but it's been moving pretty well. I mean, it's going pretty fast. It definitely seems like it's starting to turn the corner of getting better. Not just like everybody's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know if maybe it's just everybody's figuring out the system at this point or what it is. And look, I think people have been cooped up long enough that as long as you have the ability to get the vaccine and you get it, like people, I think the majority of people, like we just have to be able to live our lives. Like once we're vaccinated, if people are still dying, like if I die, like, that just has to be what it is. Like, we just have to get back to something close to normal. Otherwise, it's going to be a, a revolt. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, sports is part of that. Like, you've got to just finally open it up and just say, look, we're, we're going. We're doing this. this. This is a risk. You know, like, again, and if it's, if it's in a, it, with the vaccinations, if it gets cut down in the way they hope it will, I, you know, like, yeah, I mean, sure. They, and it's terrible that there still will be people that are going to catch it and get one of these variations and have problems. But at some point there has to be, okay, this is a risk we're willing to accept. And right now, the, the, it, I mean, it sounds like May could be the date when everybody could have gotten it, which means, you know, you could go into June, but into June, you're looking at everybody that wanted to be vaccinated was. And to be honest with you, I don't even, I don't know how I'll feel about it because we all know I've been basically a shut-in this entire time. Uh, but I go out, I, I go out, I wear a mask. I'm, I'm not afraid. I, sh I grocery shop on my own now. We joked about that a while back. <laughs> but like once I have the vaccine, I'm not so concerned about if you have it or not. I'm not going to be that dude. Like I'm just going to go live my life. I, well, welcome like I back said, when that time comes. I've been living my life for a while now. <laughs> Eddie just has like a welcome sign. Yeah, but you wear masks and shit like that, Eddie. I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no problem with that. That's the other thing. It's like everybody's up in arms about Texas and Louisiana and all these places opening. It's like I'm pretty sure the people that live in those states are going to wear the ones that want to wear a mask are going to wear a mask. The people that people are commenting don't? don't live there because we all know even in Oklahoma people either wear masks or they don't and you run across plenty of people depending on what you go to maybe not even grocery stores. I mean, I run every time I go to the grocery store, I see a whole, entire families that won't wear masks. Oh, guys, our babysitter is a truther. Like like won't she like she is very proud to walk into grocery stores and be like, D I dare them to say something. I'm like, don't be that way. Yeah. I mean, and she, like, she's telling this to Tiffany, who has to wear one of those humongous masks all day, every uh. day, comes home with, like, marks on her face. I'm like, how can you look at her and be like, I can't wear a little cloth mask? Like, how do you do that? But that's a whole, uh, that's a whole other thing. But, yeah, I mean, that's my whole thing. Did you ever think of like, maybe getting a different babysitter? <laughs> No, well, we love her. Our girls love her. We're like, fine, it's fine. Like, she's really, like, this is like her one thing. We're like, that came out of left field. We did not foresee this. But she's been our babysitter for like, I don't know, three years. So we're kind of like, we're kind of in now. Um, but, you know, the, um, the thing, you know, obviously living in Texas and everybody freaked out yesterday. Oh, they're not, they're not going to wear a mask. I'm like, guys, outside of Houston and probably Austin, I drive around most of the state a lot. 
and I don't. I see plenty of people that don't give a shit about any mask mandate, like it, because I mean, it's not like they're arresting people for not wearing them. So if you don't want to wear them, people just don't wear them. I go to Duncan once a month. I've never seen someone wearing a mask the last two times I've been there. Mm-hmm. Is that a Taco Tico run? <laughs> it's a bank slash Taco Tico run. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you mean Taco Tico slash bank? Like well, you, you can be. I need it's okay. to have money to go to Taco Tico. <laughs> So sometimes the bank's first. The bank is definitely the first stop, but then I just happen to go to Tico afterwards. Because I found out, it's like, I live in a small town bank, and like it takes them like nine days if I go to like a credit union center to clear my check. So I have to, I had to start just driving it directly to the bank. It's ridiculous. So I need to change banks. Like Josh needs to change babysitters. Yes, you, yes. Yes to both. That that's totally. Or fine. I need to come um, up with direct deposit. That that also works. <laughs> I, 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 I think all th- I think all three other members of this pod would totally support that. See, action. I'm 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 I freely spend money when it comes to lighting and cameras, but when it comes to business expenses like deposit direct deposit, I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, we don't need that. Mm-mm. No, who wants that? But now that I'm driving to Duncan every month, I can like get it. This, this is how change happens, guys. You're hearing it. So, anyway, um, anything else that you guys wanted to jump on before we get out of here today? I know Bob's uh, got to get on the basketball Zoom. He might be gone already. I'm here. Okay. No, I'm, I mean, I, I'm were, thinking. Were, there, were there any thoughts as far as the uh, John uh, Joe John Finley contract details? I, I guess I was a little surprised that he's getting half a mil. Or is that just the going rate? I think that's kind of become the going rate. Like it's no longer the two hundred thousand dollars show for assistant coaches, but which coming out of a pandemic, you it is kind of like oh wow that's a fair amount. He better recruit well at that pay scale. So far, so good. I'd I'd say. There's been no movement as far as uh, spring ball announcements, though. I mean. I guess they're just trying to get through pro day, and then they're going. Then they'll worry about spring ball. I think we're looking at that, the that twenty second through the twenty sixth for when spring ball will start. It might even start that Sunday. So they are still going to look at probably that would put spring game if they have it, which I would imagine that they're going to try to have something probably late late April. Still going to oh yeah look definitely for that. yeah yeah. Yep. I would probably say like the 25th or 24th would be yeah. a pretty good date. That wouldn't be bad. Maybe don't schedule anything too permanent there. I'll start checking around on that and see um, if there's any chance that the spring game Whatever might they not do, happen. I think they should go back to Friday night. I love that. Oh, I, uh, that was fantastic. They should absolutely see if they did that, then they could have it on the thirtieth. So maybe that would be a, a something that they could consider. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. I think this is going to be another spring of. I don't know. I mean, I hope that just like if fans are in the stands, that we actually get back to being in a room with players and coaches. Uh, even if it's at a podium and us at a distance, I don't want another season of Zoom. But I'm sure spring is going to be, you know, mainly Zoom and not much access. 
Yeah, well, we get our our 15 minutes. I don't know. We're kind of conditioned to be pessimistic when it comes to media access. No comment this uh, portion of the podcast. I think I said it about as nice as it could be said, so... Uh, all right. Well, hoops coming up on Thursday night, Oklahoma, Texas, then the Big Twelve tournament. Um, now, is that at all? I mean, there's really no way you can you can Bob. There's no way that you can compress that, can you? To get in and get no. out. I mean, y'all, y'all pretty you pretty much just play one day, play the next day, play the next day, then it's over. Yep, and and that's why I guess that's the only reason why I'm not as outlandish about this week. Like, oh, they're playing four games in seven days. Well, you know, when they get to these conference terms, like some teams end up playing four in four days. So, and and you talk to any player, they rather that they rather they just constantly be on the go instead of playing three in three weeks with two or three postponements, like OU went through during this last month. By the way, did the Big Ten take a hit last night? With Michigan just getting their faces caved in? No, because the Illini are awesome. I know, but I mean, people were like talking about Michigan like they could be the number one overall seed, and that just because the Big Ten is so strong, like they have all these teams. Like Michigan now just looks like a other other team in the conference with a good record. You know what sucks is Michigan. I think is still really good, but because I watched basically the entire game and how they got their ass beat last night. I will not be able to pick them to go to the final. <laughs> like, and I know that yeah. I know that that mentality is wrong, and they probably will. But because well, I watched that, I'm not going to be able to. Well, they were without one of their main guys, weren't they? The little brother of what's his name? Michigan. They were what? Were they no. without a key player? Were it they was, not? They they had Wagner. Oh, okay. They had Wagner. Okay. He stunk last night. Oh. He was terrible. So they were without him, but not physically. <laughs> he was there. And is Johnny Mansell trying to make the PGA? Is that what's going on? Yeah, I just... It's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. That people... It's its moronic that it's even being pushed as golf content. Well, he's got a he gut zero on him. Chance. He's got a belly. Who cares? Yeah, it's just a good clickbait story. No, that's all it is. It's like uh, these people that think that they can just wake up and play golf. It's not going to happen. Good luck, though. I don't even think he could make the cut at a uh, – fuck, I don't – he wouldn't be able to win the Oklahoma Open, let alone get on the PJ Tour. And that's not a slam on the Oklahoma Open. That usually has some pretty good players in it. Yeah. No, but he couldn't I mean, go down to like the – Last year, he's won multiple times on the PGA Tour. Yeah, he couldn't even go down to like the Duncan shootout and win that. Probably not. Oklahoma's a good golf state, though. Oh, you winning the uh, Cabo Collegiate right now. Winner of that gets into the uh, Valero Texas Open, too. Very nice. All right, guys. Well, I enjoyed it. Uh, we will do it again next week. Uh, glad to have everybody back in the fold. And uh, don't forget Dead Soxie, uh, great partner. Uh, go check him out. I know a lot of people have been uh, uh, sending me uh, their order sheets, and we appreciate, really appreciate all you guys uh, going out and supporting uh, Sooner Scoop and uh, the uh, unofficial 40 podcast at deadsoxy.com. So until next time, we'll see you right back here on the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com.